Welcome to the City Life Podcast. I'm Tim Woody, the pastor of City Life Church in downtown Fort Worth. There is purpose for your life. There's a destiny you have yet to walk into, and there is hope regardless of what you're facing today. I encourage you to open your heart now to what God will be speaking to you over these next few minutes. Good, good. Go ahead and get your notes out. I know that you already have your Bibles open in Nehemiah chapter 4. You're going to have to bounce around a little bit in Nehemiah today, but uh, we're going to have a good time. Today's message is entitled, God's Work Through This House. God's Work Through This House. Each fall, uh, each fall we do something called Heart for the House, and, and this is a day where we make financial commitments. We give a special offering also on this day to help meet the needs of our church as well as to fuel missions and outreaches and opportunities that, are, that we're currently doing and that will be coming our way over the next uh, several months. And that's today. That's today. So we're talking about this house, this house. Now, if you're visiting here with us today, I want you to know right up front, I, you are to not feel any kind of pressure uh, regarding the giving challenge that I'm going to give. But I do believe that every person who's here, if you're a guest, God also has something special in this service just for you. God had brought you here for a reason, and there's something that you're going to hear. If you've not already experienced or heard something you needed to hear, you will over the next few minutes because God customizes every single sermon for every individual. And even though the giving challenge may not apply to you, there are things in this that I believe God is going to speak to your heart regarding today. So uh, I, I want you to receive it. I just want you to receive it because God loves you much more than you could ever know. Well, Jesus set something up some 2,000 years ago, and it's called the church. And he will build it. I said that he will build it. And no force in heaven on earth can stop the, 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 the growth and the explosion of God's church. The church of Jesus Christ continues to grow worldwide. And I'm grateful to be a part of it. I was born into the church. I, I was literally born into the church. And, and, uh, and as I was thinking about little forest. I reflected upon my own story that had been told by my parents, but I, was, I believe I was born alive because of the prayers of a local church. You see, I was born back in 1965 in the home of a doctor in a little logging town called in Randall, Washington, up in the mountains, Mount St. Helens, you know, the one that exploded about 40 years ago. Yeah, that's, that's right where, where uh, I was born. And, uh, there was no time to get to the hospital. The nearest hospital was three hours away. Uh, went to this doctor's house, and I was breech, and, and I was also 21 days past due. And I had something, I found out, we, I had something called meconium aspiration syndrome. That's not a good thing. Well, the doctor, he asked my dad that, to choose, to make a choice. He said, no, he has both your your your." wife and your child are not going to make it. So I want you to choose who do you want to live, your wife or your child. Now that's a sobering question to ask a dad. Well, what, what my dad did is my dad, my dad called on his church. 
and they got phone calls going and they began they called everybody in the little country church that my dad was pastoring there in Randall Washington and about 30 or so people dropped what they were doing on September 23rd 1965 and they went to the church building and they prayed dad said some stayed there for hours praying they 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 began to pray for a miracle god send a miracle and finally i was born i was born alive and i'm still here today <laughs> My parents believed, and I believe as well, it's because of the church, and the church did something. Hear me. The church did something, just like what we are doing here, even with Forrest. The the church did something. The church came together, and the church prayed for a family. And what my family was going through was, was traumatic, but they were praying for my family. And God worked a miracle through the church. That's how God works miracles. He works them through the church. Now, I grew up in a pastor's home, and I've told you guys this before. I've seen the best of the church, and I've seen the worst of the church. Believe me. I've seen all sides of it. As imperfect as the church was, though, I can always tell you this much. I have always, always felt safe at the church growing up as a child and even as an adult. And I love, 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 love the church. And today, there's a calling on my life to partner with God to build His church. And you're called to do the same thing. The unique calling of my life is that I am to preach, and I'm to preach what the Bible says, and as a pastor, to create an atmosphere where people can experience the presence of God and where people can experience authentic family. That's the church. And I love the church. And at this church, one of the things, we, we do a lot of things around here, but I'll, I'll some of the important things we do is we challenge the status quo. We do not believe that the way things are are the way things need to be or will stay. We believe in the power of the ancient and how that power is real for today. And we believe that Jesus Christ is the only answer for a world that's in decay. Jesus is the only way to eternal life. That's what this church stands for. We believe in doing significant things for God. We do. And you do as well. But hear me well. Adversity comes when you set your heart on doing something significant for God. It does. It does. The the enemy will do whatever he can to tear you down, to distract you, to bring affliction, to discourage you, to, 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 to separate relationships. He'll do whatever he can to bring you down. But we are not going to stand for that. This is how we stand up against it. Now, I want you to look at that, that passage. Make sure it's opened up there, Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 1. I'm going to take a look at this. Uh, just to give you a little bit of a background, this is the city of Jerusalem. It had been destroyed. The walls had been torn down around the city uh, so, that, so that the city would never flourish again. And Nehemiah, this is some oh, 80 years or so after the walls had been torn down, he was a man who, who was working and serving another king, and, and he was called by God, because that was originally his hometown, although he had never been there. Uh, he would, he'd been called by God to do something significant for God. And all of us are called to do something significant for him. 
It may not seem significant to you, but it's significant in the, in the construction of his kingdom. See, what Nehemiah was called to do was to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and to establish order in a city where there was disorder and there was affliction everywhere and to set that city up so there could be prosperity in the city again. And, and after, he, after he began his work, that's when the adversity came. You see, the adversity didn't happen until he actually started doing the work. And that's the way it works in our lives. Now, now I want you to look at this passage of Scripture, Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 1. It says, and when Sanballat, we'll talk about him in a minute, when Sanballat heard that they were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews in, in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria. He said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? <laughs> Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? And Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, what, what if they are building even a fox climbing up on it would, uh, would break down those walls of stone? You see, Adversity happens when you set your heart to do something significant for God. And, and, and it comes after every single one of you when you step out in faith. It does. Why? It's because you have now become a threat to Satan's kingdom. But we are overcomers, and Nehemiah was an overcomer as well. I'm going to show you some of the strategies that happened. But first of all, I want to talk about that guy, Sanballat. Uh, he was a bad guy. Uh, Sanballat is that, that name, that, his name actually means sin gives life. I know it looks like sin, but it's pronounced sin gives life. And, and this is built around sin, the moon god. That's his name. So every time they said his name, they were saying the moon god gives life. Every time his name was spoken, you hear that? So in other words, what, what, what he stood for was that true life is found outside of God. And when I think of that, it's like, you know, nothing has changed in the world today. <laughs> nothing has changed in the world today because just like I shared earlier, the world screams at us that salvation is found in all these other ways and methods and things, but it's not. It's only found in God. But see, he stood for the opposite and that's what pops up. That's the type of adversity that pops up that you and I face whenever we decide we're going to do something significant for God. Whether it's I'm going to come on this platform and play an instrument, or I'm going to serve with the children's ministry, or I'm going to begin giving, or I'm going to set some new standards in my home. My house is going to be a house of faith. Whenever you begin to do something significant for God, that's when the enemy is going to give you pushback. Now, now Sam Ballant was uh, was really... Uh, he, he was really representative of the cult of seeing the moon god. Now, that was, that was who this god was, false god. And, and this god has always, that, that false god was always in opposition to God's people. Throughout the scriptures, this false god has always been, and actually still always is, against God's people. Here's a little bit of a clue. It's still around today. If you look at the flags of some Middle Eastern nations and you see a moon on that, that goes back to the cult of Sin, the moon god. And those nations have always stood against the people of God. Nothing has changed. It's still active in the world today. Can you believe it? But it is, but Sambalat, which means Sin gives life, <laughs> it doesn't. 
He, he was the leader of the opposition. He was a man who had authority and wealth. He was against the work of the Holy Spirit. He was against the unity, and he was against the generosity of God's people. So in many ways, Samballot is a representation of Satan. And, and hear me well, through, through his unholy horde of, of, of demons, Satan, he seeks to strategize and to execute this master plan. And this master plan is, a, uh, it is this program designed, uh, that's designed to deceive and to distract and to destroy individual people. That's who the enemy comes against, individual people. And then he takes homes and he takes families and he takes churches. See, that's how he works. He wants to, he wants to make feeble the church of the living God. And, and ultimately, the strategy of hell is that this spirit, the spirit of Satan, the spirit of, of the enemy, culminates with this establishment of a literal unholy kingdom on this earth. And Satan will eventually rule through a man of sin. And that man of sin is the anarchist, the antichrist, the, the lawless one, you know, whatever you want to call him or whatever the Bible calls him. And that's actually what's going on in the world right now. It's advancing in that direction. So because this is all advancing in that direction, Satan's strategies have not changed, and we're in the mix today. So that's where the adversity comes in that you face. It's not just your imagination that this incident and this incident and this incident is happening. No, it's an advance of hell against you to destroy you, to hold you down, to push you down, to beat you down, and cause you to give up. And whenever you set your heart to do something significant for God, that's when it begins to kick in. But, some important words here. Our God will fight for us. Our God will fight for us. He will. You know, even this church, I mean, adversity has, has always just been strong against uh, leaders and against, uh, against the, the body. It's just, it's just normal. I've seen that forever in, in church ministry. And, and even like the, you know, financially, I'll be honest with you, it's been, it's been just an attack over the past uh, year or so. And we've, we've cut deeply and we have been extremely vigilant. Uh, one of the things that we've had to do, uh, we've had to say, you know, we, we cannot pay, we're not going to be able to pay people to come and play instruments on the platform. So please understand, no one up here is paid. And, and, that's, and I, I, I'm not ashamed of that, but someone told me recently, well, if your church is going to do, someone literally said this, if your church is going to do anything great for God, you need to have all paid musicians, and then God will show up. I was literally told that by another Christian musician here in town. And I said, okay, you know what, God's already here. That's not, that's not how we're going to do business. But I'm grateful. I'm grateful for these musicians. Uh, but, but that's where we are. You know, and during COVID, we had to have this something called this, uh, th- there was these uh, paycheck protection program loans. Remember those? Or do you, if, you, if you're on a business, you know all about that. Uh, so many of you have heard about that. And, and, and what it was is this, these, the, the federal government would give you a certain amount of money to, to help you, to help during the, the shutdown of everything, like even when we didn't have live services for about, oh, seven or eight weeks during that time period, they were able to give us money to help, uh, help make things happen. And they said the loans will be forgiven. And so I know better whenever you take out a loan or do anything, especially you, anytime you work with the government, you keep detailed, extremely detailed records. 
And I kept thinking, oh, no, this is, no, I'm going to do this. I kept those records. I kept those records. May of last year, the, the bank says, okay, now you go ahead and fill out your forgiveness application. We're ready for that to all happen. So I, I start to fill out the forgiveness application, and, it's, and it said, you are not going to have this entire thing forgiven. You need to start paying it back now. Now I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. I've kept my records. And I'll tell you what, guys. This church board, we've not made a, a big deal about it, but our church board and myself and our staff, we have been praying constantly for 18 months that the bank would wake up. And to see, we found out that it wasn't just us that was facing this. Churches all over the nation have been facing this same kind of very strange thing where they will not forgive the loans. And uh, I was like, no, we're going we're gonna to fight this. And I have been on, so, I've spent untold hours, I would say weeks on the phone with Bank of America and, and trying to explain the situation. They said, well, we need more records. And so I would give them everything they asked for and more until, until a point where I just started duplicating the same stuff I had sent them before and just wording it a little bit different and sending it back to them. Here's the records. Here's all the information. Here's, this, is, this is all fact. This is all truth. And then I, I, I sent off more stuff this week. I think it was on Monday I, I, or over the weekend, a week ago. Uh, I, I, I sent more stuff to the bank. And I told the board, please be praying. I, you know, I've sent them more of this. And just pray that this thing ends in Jesus' name. And the board was saying, yes, we agree in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And, and I had my faith high. And, and so I filled out more paperwork. And then, strangely enough, they called me. On Tuesday morning. Now, they called me Tuesday morning, and I'm looking at it, I was like, I'm not going to answer this call. They're going to leave a voicemail. I am not going to get another two-hour conversation with these guys. They called me Tuesday morning, and well, well I'm going to go ahead and, and go back and call them back. So I called them back, and they said, you know what? We just realized that 18 months ago, the bank made an error. So you will be allowed to apply for a full refund of everything. And this is that we have paid thousands and thousands of dollars back to the bank uh, based on this. And I'm telling you, it has been tough. But just pray that this thing finishes. Because they said it was an error, and so we, we, we're going to believe God for that, all right? Will you believe God with me? Dumb bank. All right. Uh, sometimes you just, you just got to say it. You just got to say it. This, see, this is how God fights for us. And if you look in, in Nehemiah chapter 4, this is the same way God fought for Jerusalem and Nehemiah. Look at this. In, in, well, you don't have to, I'm not going to read every verse, but in verse 4 it says they prayed. Verse 4 also says they rebuked the enemy. That's not where I'm going yet, guys. Uh, verse 6 says they, they kept working on the wall. Verse 8 says the enemy became more angry. And so in verse 9, they just prayed and they posted guards. Verse 13, then families gathered together in the lowest places of the walls with swords and spears and bows. That's kind of cool. And then, and then in verse 14, they reminded themselves that God is great and awesome. And in verse 15, God frustrated the enemy's plot. Verse 16 says half of the men worked on the walls and half of them were equipped with, with spears and shields and bows and armor. And verse 16 says some even worked with one hand and carried a weapon in the other hand. That was intense. But you know what? People were doing what they did best. They were all doing, working together. There's a spirit of unity. There's a spirit of like, we're not going to let the enemy win. We will fight. We're going to fight with our prayers. We're going to fight with our praise. And we're going to fight with our weapons. Now, I'm not encouraging you to use weapons unless you have to, but 
I carry. All right, Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 20 says this. Take a look at it. It's in here, here's, here's how it ended up. It says, Whenever, wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, Nehemiah said, join us there and our God will fight for us. So what he said is, if, there, if you hear a trumpet sounding and you're out working, you come to where the trumpet is and God's gonna work a miracle when you get there. I love that. I love that. God will fight for us. Does that mean that you're gonna show up and you're just gonna stand there because God's gonna do it? No, it actually means that you do something. And that's the beauty that I see woven into all of this. See, actually, that's one of the, that, that's the key scripture for today. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Our God will fight for us. They were united in their hearts and they were encouraging one another and they kept praying and they didn't give up and they kept serving the needs of the rebuilding effort. And that's actually a clear formula how God works for us. Now you're saying, you, you keep saying they. Who were they? Who were they? Well, I'm glad you asked. In Nehemiah chapter number three, I, I just, let's just tell you something. I love the Bible. I took it. I gave myself a personal challenge this year, and it was. It's, I, I'll be. I'll admit it's kind of a crazy challenge, but I like challenges. So every year I give myself some kind of an insane, crazy challenge. I don't know if it's, it's not insane. It's just crazy. Read the, I'm going to get through the Bible four times this year. So all right, four times and get through the Bible, and I'm almost there. So I, 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 I know I'm going to make it. But one thing that I've noticed as, as I've been like on this rapid plan of going through the Bible is I've noticed that for some reason, it's like the, the beauty of, of the scriptures have come to life for me in a whole new way. And, and all of these names and what people did, it just became so much more significant to me. And, and as I was reading through Nehemiah recently, I, I was just really struck with the beauty of it, of they're na- giving these people's first names and what they did, and this is all recorded in the scriptures. Just, just listen to this. Nehemiah chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Elishiab, the high priest, and his fellow priests went to work to rebuild the sheep gate. Okay, so it's like the priests. So let's just call them, in today's vernacular, the preachers. They're out there working. <laughs> I, it always starts. It always starts there. They dedicated it and set the doors in place, building as far as the Tower of the Hundred, which they dedicated as far as the Tower of Hananel. The men of Jericho built the adjoining section, and Zakur, they have some cool names in here, Zakur, son of Emery, built next to them. The fish gate was built, rebuilt by the sons of Hassanah, and they laid its beams and put its doors and bolts and bars in place. Merimoth, the son of Uriah, the son of Hakaz, he repaired the next section. Next to him was Meshulam, the son of Barakiah. like that, Barakiah. And then the son of Meshabel made repairs. And then next to him, Zadok, the son of Bana, not to be confused with Banana. Bana, he made repairs. The next section was repaired by the men of Tekoa. <laughs> I find this so intriguing. But their nobles would not put their shoulders to work under the supervisors. And I just have to pause right here and say, I am so grateful that the elders of this church are not wimps and they don't just stand back and look at people. They get their hands dirty and they serve in this church just like everyone else. Nobody is too good around here. I I love that spirit in our church. Oh, I'm glad that won't be in the Bible about City Life Church. And then uh, Jeshana Gate was repaired by Joida, the son of Paseh and Meshulam, the son of Besodeah. And they laid its beams and put its doors and bolts and bars in place. And next to them, 
Repairs were made by the men of Gibeon and Mizpah, Melatiah of Gibeon and Jadon of Maranoth. They places under the authority of the governor of the trans-Euphrates and Uziel. Uziel, I wonder if he had an Uzi, but Uziel, the son of Haraha. Haraha. One of the goldsmiths repaired the next section. And then Hananiah, one of the perfume makers, made repairs next to that. Now, I could keep reading through this entire chapter. And, but I found beauty. I found incredible beauty in this. See, the, this list of people goes on and on and on. And you find other lists of people and what they did all through the Bible, not just the Old Testament, but the New Testament as well. They actually list the first names of people and what they did for God's work. I think that's pretty incredible. See, all through the scriptures, men and women were honored by name for what they did. Did you know that? And, and I got to thinking about this as I was going through here. I thought, you know, the scriptures, they were actually meant to be publicly read. Can you imagine them reading this 20 years later? I'm reading that like, yeah, I remember doing that. that that's right. <laughs> 50 years later, yeah, that's my dad. My dad's name is coming up. That was my dad. 150 years later, they're reading these scriptures publicly, and like, that was my great-grandfather. Yeah, he did that part right over there, and, and he made perfume. <laughs> and I still make perfume today. I mean, I think it's incredible because it's very, very scriptural to honor people by name who contribute to the work of God. Now, I could keep reading through the rest of this chapter, and I had a lot of fun doing it. I was originally going to do it, but I decided I didn't want to. Because we don't know those people, and I'm sure you know, they're wonderful. They're, they're in the Bible for all of time, but I'd rather read the names of about 90 or so people in this church who really make a difference. I know I'm gonna, I might miss a few. I asked the guys to pull this together for me, and if I miss something or someone, y'all are going to forgive me. But Aaron, he brings a bright first impression, holding the door, watches over the service as an usher. He helps out with water baptisms. Adam, a church elder, he helps out on our cameras with ushering and consistently prays in our building on weekdays. Addie, she serves back there in our preschool, and she helps corral our little ones. Addie, another one who willingly serves in the nursery. Adriana helps us with photography and social media and our, cleans our facilities. Amber, church elder, she oversees and leads our, our preschool and does craft lessons and serves on the youth team. And Angelina, Lena, also known as Lena, she serves on our children's and youth teams and leads preschool services on Sunday. She oversees the scheduling of the children's volunteers and plans to and, and helps with youth events. And Anthony, church elder, anything that needs to be done, and I mean anything, and he, he does it. He's a production team lead. He's a worship team vocalist. Ashley, she leads worship as a vocalist and creates our worship set list and schedules the worship team and plays the keyboard. By the way, these people are not paid. Aurora, she helps with the production in elementary and helps with communication and pre-service elements. And then Bella, she welcomes everybody into the house as a host. Ben leads in our elementary ministry and does crafts and teaches messages. He serves on our youth team, works in production, and helps clean the building. But Oh, oh, man, this guy's been faithful. He serves on our photography team, capturing and engaging wholesome moments for social media. Bobby plays a variety of instruments and leads worship as a vocalist on our worship team. Brady, he, Brady, he just jumps in. He faithfully helps with ushering, cleans the facilities, prepares for our services. Bryce, he operates our cameras for the live stream, sets up our elementary room. Uh, Brooke, she runs the children's ministry check-in station. Brian, he helps with video uh, presentation. He shaved his mustache off today though but he juggles 
His wife made him. He juggles like four to five things as a fireman in varied role, and he values serving and, and helps whenever he's able. Caitlin, she leads, she's a lead vocalist for our worship and leads in our elementary services. Cameron, he serves in our elementary ministry and helps with production and lifts the atmosphere with his quick wit and humor and helps clean our building. Chris, anytime he's available, to, he helps watching over our services and prayer meetings. He's always happy to serve. Cindy, she opens the door for people coming to church and prepares our facilities for services and I don't think I've ever seen her not smiling when she's serving and her and her husband have been serving for I don't know nine years or so Cody he leads worship and ushers with a great attitude and at the last minute is ready to jump on the platform and lead and worship like he did today Cynthia church elder design specialist leads prayer facilitates leader training uh, platform encouragements and connects with guests Darius he operates cameras for our live streams and he dresses snazzy and he always reminds me if I leave something in the building. Denise, she hosts connect groups at her home, serves on our platform team in the foyer. Devana, she takes care of babies in our nursery and helps the next generation with our youth and cleans our facilities and does things behind the scenes and rolls with stewardship also. DJ, he's our church elder. He takes uh, lead on construction projects and cleans and provides security. Donna works with our stewardship and office support, connect group leader. She works hard in largely unseen ways and she's been doing it for 10 years. Elijah, she, he serves in the elementary ministry by leading games and overseeing production, helping with worship and cleans our facilities. Elizabeth, she helps lead our prayer nights with worship. Juliana, she uh, serves on our elementary teams and leads games and takes care of our children. Harriet, she serves on our cameras with a smile and when she is on the camera and I might think, oh, and I don't know if they're liking what I'm saying, I just look over her and she's smiling. Right? Okay, I'm all right. Hunter is a church elder. He serves stinking everywhere. Drummer, vocalist, worship leader, construction project leader, cleans and prepares our building. He serves on the production team, connect group leader. Ian, he generously leads our children's and youth and young adult ministries. He preaches and he teaches. He leads projects. Idara hosts and welcomes with a smile, takes ownership of whatever she sees and cleans our building. Jack, where are you? Right back there. Once on the streets. And now has a roof over his head. He prays for City Life. He has given offerings to City Life since day one and has attended longer and more faithful and has given more consistently than anyone in this church. I know, I know, Jack, we're not writing the Bible today, but man, we're going to recognize you as if, all right? Jake, staff member, leads several ministries, manages much of the church offices, and he preaches and teaches as a prayer leader, so much more, and he loves spreadsheets. James, he's an IT specialist. He leads production team. He, he leads construction projects. Jasmine, she leads and oversees nursery ministry, and she's a connect group leader. Jaden, he serves in our elementary production, engages the children in playing games and cleans our facilities. And Gina, she welcomes, uh, warmly welcomes everyone and cares for the babies in our nursery. Jagar, he takes care of our building. He organizes, he cleans, he serves on the ushering team. Jeremiah, worship team, vocalist, acoustic guitar. Joel, he hushes, he hushes, he doesn't hush, he hosts and ushers with enthusiasm. Then there's another Joel, a church elder, and has served on our board. He's a worship team vocalist and guitarist, a small group leader. John, he's a church elder, serves on our board. He serves on the platform team. He's a connect group leader, and he carries this church in his heart and quietly serves in so many ways that nobody will ever see. Josh, he enthusiastically leads the worship band and plays bass and wears cool shoes. Josh also jumps, another Josh, jumps in to do anything with a generous heart, even if he ran a 5K at 6 a.m 
again this morning. Thank you, Josh. Joy, she's a church elder, uses her gifts of teaching in the preschool, leads children into the, uh, with kindness into what God has for them, and helps clean our building and warmly welcome guests in the foyer, and she's been doing and serving for 10 years. Katie Ann helps with the preschool by teaching Bible stories and lessons. Uh, <clears throat> And, and Kaylee, she serves in the elementary room leading worship and, of course, drives in from Abilene to do so. Kennedy prepares our facilities for services, helps with Operation Christmas Child. Kevin leads some of our first impression teams, does electrical work and smiles the entire time and even shows up at the break of dawn to pray with us. Kristen, he ser- she serves on our elementary team with teaching and is a vocalist on the worship team. Uh, Kristen, another Kristen, welcomes guests and takes a lot of unseen roles with Operation Christmas Child. She facilitates facilitates an engaging online presence with our e-community. She's in the hospital right now and just had a baby. Another Kristen. Man, we got a lot of Kristens around here. Part of our stewardship team. Helps however and whenever she can with a great attitude. Layla, she serves wherever and without complaint, helping to prepare the buildings for services and does hosting. She takes care of the preschoolers to help kids learn the Bible. Landon, he faithfully serves and leads on our youth ministry team. He's a creative mind behind our services and events. He's an online host for our services and is in Dallas. Lavanda is a church elder way out in DeSoto or Cedar Hill, one of those towns over there. Uh, leads congregational prayer like she did this morning. Serves in background roles on stewardship and is a prayer warrior. Linda, she's always ready to jump in and help. She welcomes guests and organizes storage, builds gift bags, and her heart shines wherever she's placed. Lindsay, she helps with the preschool team and with youth events and can cater the best meals around. The other Lindsay, church elder, serves on the prayer Prayer, prayer leader, uh, nursery volunteer, and she preaches and she leads platform ministries. She's been doing this stuff for nine years. Luis, he helps however he can. Projects, construction, uh, ushering. Lydia welcomes guests and lifts the atmosphere. Medora helps as a junior volunteer in elementary with worship, helps set up the auditorium for services. Megan faithfully serves on our children's ministry team by checking children in on Sundays. Nick, he leads a worship band and plays guitar and always has a smile. Nicole happily holds the door for for some of our church's first impressions uh, and, and then helps with financial stewardship. Paige welcomes the parents and the children and serves in the check-in for our children's ministry. Pam, church elder, board member, prayer leader, online uh, e-community host, and so much more. She's been doing it for 10 years. Peggy, the oldest City Life partner isn't here able to make it all the time, but is probably watching online right now, gives faithfully and prays, and she is a huge encor- encouragement to me. Rebecca, church elder, she ministers to our women, and she ministers to me, and she does, she sacrifices, does more than you will ever know. Sweetie, you're going to be rewarded in heaven for that. I love her. Richard, the ushering team, always happy to serve. Riley serves in our preschool as a vocalist on the worship team. And, of course, she lives in Abilene, too, drives in. Rosemary greets everyone with a smile and helps them to feel right at home. Riley serves in the preschool or in, interacting with children, teaching lessons. Syra helps with nursery, project dates, Operation Christmas Child. Scola, she naturally engages children and leads activities and games to make church a fun experience for them. Sayla, she serves in our children's ministry in preschool, nursery, check-in, leads kids in their worship in the elementary. Shauna, a church elder, project days, organization, pastoral care with connect groups and meal trains and just is an amazing woman I got. Spencer, growing in leadership and he helps out with all things pertaining
production. He's willing to do anything with a cheerful heart, and God's done amazing things in his lives. Stefan, he ushers and serves at the elementary, cleans our facilities, overcomes uh, work scheduling so that he can be a servant with a great heart. Stephanie, she teaches our children in preschool with energy and grace, helps the littlest child to memorize the scriptures, the word of God, teaches them to learn and grow. Thomas, who's with his wife over at the hospital right now, he helps watch over our gatherings as an usher, as well as a lot of behind-the-scenes work and projects, Operation Christmas Child. Thomas, another Thomas, video presentation, always willing to serve. TJ, church elder, serves on our platform team, creates messages and preaches in our elementary ministry. He's a phenomenal usher and helps clean our building. Will, he captures fantastic photos that reflect the heart of our church. Zion, he's a junior volunteer in our elementary and leads as an example and eagerly helps in any way he can, big or small, and cleans our building. Now that's my chapter three of Nehemiah right there. So, so what breaks the power of Satan's opposition? Let's say if it were to come against the church, it's those people right there. Nehemiah chapter four, verse 20 says this word, wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Our God will fight for us. And I'm sounding a trumpet today and it's time for us to rally because it's heart for the house Sunday. You see, when God fights, and this is important, God fights when we unite our hearts, when we use our hands and our feet and when we're generous, and those are the basic principles that are throughout the Bible, but very, very real throughout the book of Nehemiah. Now, the first part is united hearts. We're not going to be divided. We're going to serve and love. We're going to use our hands and our feet. That means we're going to use our bodies as living sacrifices uh, to the Lord, and God is honored when we use our bodies to serve and to bless and to help and to fuel His Holy Spirit work. Generous when we give through our financial resources to his work. It's part of the, the, uh, the renewal of God's work, which eventually, even in, in Nehemiah's time, brought prosperity to Jerusalem because the last thing they did is they made commitments to be generous again. I want you to listen to this. In Nehemiah chapter 10, you don't have to turn to this, but, but this is how the story of Nehemiah wraps up. He said this, he declared this over the people. He says, we assume the responsibility for carrying out the commands to give a third of a shekel each year for the service of the house of our God. So basically what this was, this was, a, was an annual offering that each family brought to the house of the Lord. And we, we like to follow the rhythms of the scriptures. So this is very similar to what we do once a year for heart for the house. Not only that, they began to bring their offerings and tithes. In, in chapter 10, verse 37, it says, moreover, we will bring to the storerooms of the house of our God to the priests, the offerings. We will also give the tithe to the Levites. Offerings are the, it's a free will offering that you give as God directs your heart. Tithes is a tenth, which is a, a tenth of what God has put into your hands financially, 10% of your income. We practice those things today as well because those are spoken of by Jesus and in the New Testament, uh, in the book of Hebrews. And see, what happened then is they began to do this, their attitude and their perspective shifted. In verse 39, it says, the people of Israel, including the Levites, are to bring their contribution of grains. That means nobody's left out, nobody's too good to do this bring their contributions of grain, new wine, and olive oil to the storerooms for the articles for the sanctuary and for the ministering priests. And the, ga the gatekeepers and the musicians are also kept. And here's, here's the really nice line at the end of that. They said, we will not neglect the house of our God. We will not neglect the house of our God. And I say that for us. We will not neglect the house of our God. Now understand, the house of our God is not necessarily the building. The house of God is us and the work that we do as well. Uh, Jake brought it up earlier. We're, we're starting something where we have decided 
We, I walk these streets on a daily basis, and I get tired of some of the trash and the clutter around here, and I find people trying to live in various nooks and crannies around here, and we've got to keep our neighborhood clean. Uh, our city can only do so much. So we have partnered with the city of Fort Worth, and we're doing something brand new. We've call, we're calling it Our Four Blocks Litter Stomp. And this will be done five times annually on project days. Our four blocks, now you might say we just have one block. Yeah, but we've decided that as we've walked around this block, in fact, you can put the little map up there if that makes sense to you. If you guys like maps, you're going to see a, see a cool one there. But, but you, the, the, uh, in the upper right-hand corner is where our building is. And, uh, and so the four blocks is this block, that block right over there, and the two blocks that are in this direction. And there's plenty that needs to be done. Uh, we, we've got to keep, we got to keep this area clean, and I'm, I'm committed to it. We're, we're going to be committed to it, and we're going to use this as an outreach opportunity to the businesses and the people who work in these four blocks around us. There are a lot of people who work here day in and day out. Uh, we're going to do this five times annually on project days. The first time will be this Saturday. And the cool thing is the city of Fort Worth is giving us stuff to, to work with, even the stuff to help the, to, to pick up the litter. So we are working with them. Another thing that's going to be happening is we have an evangelism conference coming up March 23rd through the 26th of next year. Now, this is being put on by the School of Urban Ministry, but there's a, and they're bringing this huge evangelism uh, effort here to DFW. But the cool thing is, is the guy who's running this, he came to something at this church nine years ago, and we called it Marketplace Church. And he worked nearby, and he came over here, and God really got a hold of his life. <laughs> it was amazing. God got a hold of his life. He, he retired as a police officer and then decided that he started working for a church, and, and God's, God moved on him, and we are, we're still in touch. And he's bringing this. He now runs this conference. He's bringing it out here. And he said, Tim, my heart is still in downtown Fort Worth, and I would like to train as many of your people as possible how to reach the neighborhood. So this is coming up. We're going to be doing neighborhood evangelism. Uh, two, two days. Now, you see the, up there, it shows four days. But, uh, but it's on Saturday, uh, Friday, Friday the 24th. And Saturday the 25th, and I need for you to mark those dates in your calendars now so that you don't plan something on that time. Don't plan to be out at the beach or something because it's spring break. Just, uh, just plan to be here because this is going to be something we've looked forward to for a long time, March 24th and 25th. Uh, also, we're going to continue working with the homeless among us. We, are, we recognize the demographics of our neighborhood, and one of the challenges that we have is there are a lot of homeless around, and, and some choose to be that way. And there's, there's really nothing you can do about that. They, they choose to be that way. Um, and, and I'm, but, but there are some who don't want to be that way, and they need help, such as Jack. That's why we take care of him. We've been taking care of him for years, and uh, we watch out for him. And, and I know some people come in and say, who's that guy? Well, you know what? He's an awesome young man of God. And Jack, even though he, he suffers from some severe autism, he is here on time, and he is ready to serve whatever way he can. He always gives an offering, which I... What? What? But we're going to keep making sure that Jack has a roof over his head, that he has food, that he's being taken care of, and he has the ability to get around town and do what he needs to do. 
and any other homeless person who makes this church their home, that's the criteria, if they make this church their home, we've done this with many others in the past, we will adopt them and we will take care of them and we will help them to get on their feet. Jack just simply needs our help continuously. I'm glad that we do that. Uh, also, our Compassion Children sponsorships. Uh, we have two children in Brazil. We, uh, we pay for their education. We pay for their meals. We've been doing this for several years. Uh, this first little picture of this, this kid, his name is Jovan, and uh, uh, he's, he's eight years old, and uh, he likes... He likes to learn about God. He loves the Bible, loves singing songs and running and sports and swimming and walking. And there, just kind of scroll through a couple of other things. He, he, there's one of his little worksheets that he just did. Uh, you scroll over to the next one, and uh, there's, there's a, just a little note that he, he wrote for us and a picture that he drew for us. But that boy is getting healthy meals. He's getting an education because we take care of him. We sponsor him. And we may never see him until eternity. There's another girl there in the same school. Her name is Yasmin. Oh, she's, uh, she's so proud of herself. She, in her last letter, she says, I'm going to be a teenager now. <laughs> and, uh, so she, she loves the Lord so much. And uh, I'm not going to take time to read their letters here. I have them here. But, but uh, these kids have, have come from extreme poverty. And we take care of them. And we love them. We love them so much. Another thing that we continue doing is, is our Vietnamese pastors training. This is something that happens every couple of months. The uh, pastors in Vietnam, it's a communist country. We, we were able to go in there with Zoom and train. These are house churches, house church pastors. So I was able to go in via Zoom and train them. Uh, and and they, you know, they translate, uh, they, they interpret what I'm saying <laughs> through the Zoom call, and, and I do that, the training for them. But whenever I do that, I like to give an offering to these guys as well to help them with their churches, help them with their ministries. It's not me that's giving it. It's us, it's us all right? Operation Christmas Child, I'm so grateful for that. Uh, blessing and serving, it's helping, uh, it's, it's helping local churches all around the world and with evangelism. Another thing that's, that, uh, that's, that's coming up this year that we're looking at is the, the challenge of homeless families in Fort Worth. We're looking into ways that we can potentially assist. And we may, uh, like, temporarily adopt a family in need and get them some basic supplies. Fort Worth is having a new crisis right now that has never been seen before. I met with the mayor a few weeks about this, and uh, she's asking us to, to help out as we're able because the facilities that house families are full, and we don't want families on the street with weather like this. You understand this? So we're talking about not homeless individuals. These would be homeless families. Many of these families are, are, have two parents and children, some multi-generational, uh, and, they, and they have, they have they've not been able to survive the, the inflation, and their rent has gone up, and they've been evicted, and they're out on the streets. And, and so the city of Fort Worth has purchased a hotel, and as these people go into this hotel, we want to be able to get them some supplies to help get their lives restarted. So we're looking at those, some opportunities like that. This is what Heart for the House will help do. I think that's a good thing to do for our city and our community. These are, again, these are local people. These are people who live here and who just simply have lost everything. Uh, also, we have our new Connect Group vision and training. Uh, Jake mentioned earlier, there's a place on the app to go ahead and register. Let us know you're interested in that. We'll get you the links so that you can pay, be a part of that. But, but understand this. As God fights for us, when we unite our hearts, use our hands and feet, that means we're doing something, and we're generous. 
And truth is, God's waiting for us to act. God fights for our church. God fights for our families. And God fights for our homes. Jesus said this in Matthew 5.14. Church, I want you just to hear this. This is from his famous Sermon on the Mount. He says, you're here. And this is from the message version. He says, you're here to be light. Bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Oh, let it be for our lives. Let it be for our church. Now that I put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, the generous Father in heaven. And we do that, and we want to do more. So far this year, we've baptized 21 people in water. And as of today, we've seen 99 hands raised to pray the salvation prayer right here in this room. This church is your church. I want want to tell you how we can all be a part of this. And usually each year I like to be the first person to make a commitment and as soon as we were getting this put up, this set up, Jake beat me to it and made the first commitment this year. It's like, Jake, you can't cheat like that, but you cheated. So, sneaky. It's like he has the inside track. So I'm going to make my first commitment. So you did it. it. So Jake and Lindsay, thank you, but I'm asking us by the end, hear me clear, by the end of January, so this gives us from now to the end of January, I'm asking us to commit at least $25,000 for Heart for the House this year, right? That's that's actually a, a need. It is a serious need. And this is above your tithes. And we have it broken down into some various goals. First of all, we have our November goal. Our November goal is $10,000. So all offerings that are given by between now and November 27th, uh, which is next week, all offerings, you know, we're we're believing God that that will total at least $10,000. And then our December goal, which would be between now and Christmas Day, which is on a Sunday, we're believing for a total of 20000 at least to have come in. These are offerings that are designated to heart for the house. And then our January goal, by the end of January, is a full $25,000. That's all offerings that have been given between now and January 29th. So we just want to encourage you, all offerings need to be received through the end of January, but one of the ways to do this is to is to simply make, I'm going to ask you to do two things today. I'm going to ask you to make a commitment on a card. And second, I'm going to ask you to give an offering. This is something we only do once a year. Once a year. It's, it's a, been a regular rhythm in our church since the beginning. But I'm asking you to make a commitment by, by looking at the Heart for the House card and to give an offering of some sort today Maybe even the full thing, but, but at least to get, us, to get you started on your way toward that. And I'm prepared to do the same as well. In fact, Jake beat me to it, so I said, oh, I'm going to save mine for Sunday morning. I'll show him. So there's a card located on the little clip right in front of you. And I ask you to go ahead and, and pull that out and take a look at it. But there's also, 
You can also do this through the City Life Church app. And if you'll go to the City Life app, you can open it up. And if you'll, right at the very top of the news feed, if you refresh it, is a thing that says Heart for the House. And that is a, uh, that's a place where you can make your commitment. I, I don't like to use the word pledges, uh, but, but I like, I work toward, it's, it's really a faith commitment. What do you believe that God can do through you? And I, I always believe that, uh, that it's right to stretch. I think of what I can do, and then I like say, okay, but here's what God can do. Here's what God can do through me. And that's, that's the way I've always made my heart for the house commitments. And God's always come through for me. Uh, sometimes by the skin of my teeth, but God always comes through for me, for us as a family. So whether you're using the online card through the City Life Church app or that card right now, I'm asking you to take a moment and complete the card and just let me know what you would be by faith willing to commit to Heart for the House. And next Sunday, I'll share where the commitments are. And I'm gonna keep sharing where the commitments are. We'll be sharing every Sunday. Here's the, here's the dollar amount of commitments and here's the total dollar amount of offerings that have come in. So I'm asking you to begin doing that now. And then after you fill out the card, go ahead and complete the, uh, go ahead and complete an offering envelope. There's, on the offering envelope, you just mark it Heart for the House. And, uh, and that way it'll go to the right place. And if you're able, if you're able to give toward that today, I encourage everyone to give something today toward that, all right? So we're gonna take a couple minutes, two or three minutes. If you're watching online, they have dropped links into the chats on the various channels. I know there are a lot of challenge channels that we go out on, but they've dropped links in there for you to complete a Heart for the House card and then for you to also give an offering. Let's take about five minutes and do this. Some of you may want to speak to your husband or your wife or make sure that you're in agreement on something, but, uh, but go ahead and begin filling the cards out now, all right? Thank you for tuning in to the City Life Podcast. If you're interested in attending our Sunday service or would like more information, go to citylifefw.org.